0: Hey guys, Ian here with another episode of Unleashed and Unhinged, the podcast where we talk about all things dog. Dog training, dog behavior, dog health, literally anything you can think about when it comes to dogs, we'll talk about on here. We hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, Hello. Welcome to this week's um, live. (laughs) You weren't quite sure where you were exactly. No, (laughs) I wasn't. I mean, you know that I don't really plan these very well in the first place. Neither us
1: do, but that's the good thing about it. It's it's all off the cuff and exactly. So yes,
0: yes, Um, and we're going to do exactly what we kept on promising. We're not going to do. I'm going to ask you the question. What are we talking about this week?
1: This week, I thought that we could talk about building trust with our dogs, and what does trust what does trust look like when it comes to a, a dog and caregiver relationship, and how do we build that?
0: Cool. Cool. Do you want me to start?
1: Yes. All right. I got to start yeah. this
0: time. I thought that might happen. Damn it. Um, I think. I think this is one of those, it's, it's very, uh, it could be looked at in so many different ways, but through my personal lens, I think there, well, there, there's a few levels to it. There's, when I interact with my dog, does my dog trust my interactions? So, for example, if I put my hands in their space, do they know that this is one of the bare minimum, not going to be a threat, but is it going to be something pleasant? And do they tr- even trust me to do something maybe that they don't want me to do, but we have that, have we got that rapport? Are they out in public, do does my dog trust me uh, in terms of taking guidance from me? So if I say, hey mate, come this way, do they trust me? And that could be, that then could open up into different avenues of like, do, does that does my dog trust me if I introduce them to other people or other dogs? And it's really easy to break trust and it can be pretty hard to build. Some dogs, though, are naturally very trusting, and some dogs really aren't. Some dogs are really sceptical. So, you kind of have to, like any other individual. It's an individual relationship as well. It's it's not something that uh, we should take for granted. I think every single dog is is an individual, and every dog, every individual dog, will build individual relationships. So, just because one dog trusts one person to do one thing, it doesn't mean they're going to trust another person to do exactly the same thing. Mm. And something I've been saying for years is trust is earned and it's normally earned by listening. Like uh, if I go into my dog's space and they tell me I'm uncomfortable, listen to that. Mm. You know, like, take the time to let them have a voice and then do what it takes to convince them that you are not a threat. Mm.
1: Um,
0: and that can be that's such a broad sentence in itself, isn't it? Like that could look so different from one person to the next. But I'm normally coming. From, well, I'm coming from the point of view of I'm not just going to carry on imposing and <laughs> forcing myself on you. I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to give you a chance to recoup. I'm going to let you take stock. I'm going to make it positive, and I'm going to come in uh, more probably more gentle or like be less in, less invasive next time and same can be said with taking my dog into other situations if I take them towards something or someone and I can see hesitancy and I can see resistance again just because I know it's not a threat it doesn't mean I'm going to be gung-ho and take them towards it because the next time I ask my dog to come towards me I'm probably going to see a decrease in that behavior because well the last time I asked them to they were like no you're a bit of a dick about it and I mm. didn't like it so the um, that's what I mean by when it comes to trust, it's something individual, it's something personal, it's a relationship, it's something you earn, and it's something you earn by listening, is my overview. Beautifully said. <laughs> cool.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that you know, if you think about any kind of relationship, it is built over time through experience and exchange of dialogue and yeah. communication, not just... So if you think about when you would go into a new client i i know you'd probably do the same thing we don't just strut in there and go right well i'm going to put a lead on this dog and i'm going to do this that and the other it's stand back observe the dog what do we read from the dog what do we read from the caregivers as well because it is a you know a family unit and a team that you're coming into and there are going to be expectations that may need to be met from each individual including the dog Mm. So when you walk into that environment it is being that observer to observe each individual person and in the dog and acknowledge what you read. Yeah. From obviously what your beliefs or expectations or feelings might be of what you think you're reading. Yeah. And then start to ask the question of each one, you know, are you okay with me? So if I walk into a into a home and I see that the dog takes a step away, turns their head, puts their head down, does a yawn, does a lip lick, then I will change what I do. Yeah. So it's me trying to build a trust account with that dog. When i from the very beginning of this is what I mean for you. Yep. I'm not going to put any pressure on you. I'm going to listen to what you're saying to me so you've said that you're uncomfortable with me so I'll change my position so that might be I'll look away from them or stand on my side or put I'll my sit, hands in my
0: pockets or something my
1: hands in my pocket you know if I obviously wear a cap often because I'm out in the sun I'll take my hat off I'll take my sunglasses off you know I'll make sure and each thing that I do I'm looking to the dog is 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 that enough for you do you need more from me mm. and watching how that dog behaves moving forward with each change of my response to what they say. So Mm. if I walk in and I see that the dog's doing all of this, I change everything. And then if the dog starts to become a bit more curious about me, I'll be like, okay, well, maybe I'll just throw a piece of food over to you and see, Mm. you know, what do you think about that? And they go, well, actually, I don't mind that. Can I have some more? And what I find is, you know, most dogs, unless they do have really – um, they are quite fearful of humans. Will then start to have a more of a dialogue with me. Of well, if I offer a sit, yeah, what happens is like this is definitely what happens definitely for more you.
0: So, yeah. <laughs>
1: so then it's building that relationship and dialogue with the dog by acknowledging their what they're saying to me. I'm responding to them that is what they need to hear from me to feel safe because. Mm. For me, trust is built on safety. You want to feel safe with the person that you're with so that you trust the situation that they put you in. So, you know, like you were saying before, if you walk into an area and you see that your dog walks behind, you like, cool, okay, well, we're not going to do that. Mm. But if you see that dog kind of looks at you and go, "Mm, I'm not sure, okay, well, we'll just hang out here, you know, you push them, you are going to break that trust.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the dog might still trust you, but trust you to do the wrong thing. <laughs> well, <this> is, <laughs> that's, that's the predictability like, and, the negative know, predictability.
1: Negative predictability. They create you create an association, and you know I've, I've probably said it before with nail clipping with Archie. The negative predictability was every time I had those clippers in my hand, I was going to do it wrong. Mm. Yeah. And I'd broken that trust with him because I'd done it wrong. And in the very early stages, I was going, come on, mate, just come over here and let me do it for this roast chicken. Yeah. And as food as obsessed as he was, he would say no to roast chicken. He'd be like, no, 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 I know what's coming. Yeah. I love you, but not in this situation.
0: Yeah, It's, it, it's a bit of a, this is a different take as, as well, like a different tangent I, I didn't see coming when we talked about this topic as well, but something you mentioned earlier. As my methodology has changed as a trainer so as i've become more emphasis on the emotional state of the dog more emphasis on more understanding of not putting too much pressure on dogs things like that i'm used to to win the trust of the client mm. compromise the dog mm. in hindsight not not obviously not on purpose in the moment but i would have I would feel this pressure and it wasn't a conscious thing i was certainly unaware of it when i was in this baby state of my training career but i would go into the consult thinking i've got a client here that wants this problem resolved and in order to win their trust i need to prove myself ha- to them sorry how good of a trainer i am mm. by showing them and demonstrating them like to them like well, look look what i can get your dog to do Mm-hmm. and it was the type of training that was always for the wow moment yeah. it was always for that oh wow how'd you get him to do that and that was really reinforcing as well as a trainer I was like oh yeah I'll walk out thinking I'm <coughs> king shit like fuck yeah I'm so good mm. and I hate those moments now like I actually I was having this conversation with a team recently where if I get a couple of wow moments in a training session these days I will question how hard I'm pushing that dog myself like internally Mm. Because they're not that common anymore. My, I'm much more comfortable in my ability these days of like explaining to somebody. You know, we're going to do this methodology because, and we're going to. It's going to take this long because, and you know, fill in the blanks. But in my inexperience and lack of confidence and so many other factors that are playing in. But like, yeah, I, I think I. I definitely compromise too many dogs mm. uh, to try to please clients, and that should be a red flag for people. Somebody that comes in and just like, look what I can make the dog to do, like. I don't know. But it's it's the word you
1: just said there. Look at what I can make the dog do. Yeah, and we all did it, you know, in the early stages because it's it's the caregivers that call us that are paying the bills that we yeah. want them to then go. Yes, that that trainer. Um, or behavior consultant was amazing. They, they were able to do this. And we see that with a lot of other trainers. <laughs> this is back again.
0: <laughs> the inverted commas. The inverted back. commas of
1: trainers where, you know, in one session they were able to, to make my dog do this. In yeah. one session they are able to, to fix this problem.
0: Mm.
1: But, you know, the way that we work now it is about how can I create a relationship with this dog where they feel safe They trust me to work with me so that where their brain is in terms of cognitively, it's not in a fear state, so they're only responding to avoid being corrected or, you know, whatever the technique might be, that you can see that the dog is engaging with you by choice. They Mm. have agency. They can leave if they need to, and we acknowledge that that how we look at the dog so I had a client on Saturday big black Labrador very very excited, people come in, he jumps all over the place um, so rather than doing the no, elbows, knees turning back
0: or head, shoulders, knees and toes yeah, 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 would yeah. yes, say
1: <laughs> I just was so I took everything, I had a treat bag on, I took the treat bag off because that was that was something that was Um, was triggering him to jump up on me Mm. so I took the treat bag off and then I just put the treats on the kitchen counter threw food away he came back threw food away he came back threw food away within five reps he just sat yeah and then I you know I paid him again and then for the next 40 minutes he was able to by choice lay next to me without me having to ask him anything and the caregiver was like you haven't asked him to do anything I'm like no but we are having a conversation She said, we've never not had him jump all over people and start pulling at their clothing and all that. But he gave me information that I came in and it was very frustrating for him. He didn't know what to do. This has previously worked for him. So I asked a question, can you do this? And he went, yes, I can. And was able to go from jumping up, panting, barking to laying beside me, calmly, panting, stop, mouth closed, and he was able to put his head down. Yeah. And that was purely through reading him and going, okay, mate, you're struggling. If I start asking you for things, I know that's gonna frustrate you. Just let's have a conversation and, and see where you are. And I said to her, if that didn't work, I would have changed tag. Yeah. You know, and I said, I don't mean to be rude, I'm not gonna look at you, I'm just gonna look at him. Yeah. Because for me now, ultimately, my job is, is for the dog. Mm. Yes, the caregiver's there and I do want to help them, but it's the dog that is struggling as well as the caregiver. So it's looking at that again, that team unit and going, yeah. okay, I want to help you, but to help you, I need to help them. Yeah. I okay, know yeah. you have your goals, but our goals need to meet, which is how we need to help him.
0: Yeah. And that's it. Like it is gaining the trust of the, that entire unit, as you just said. And one of the skills in the job is to go in and assess which one, how can we gain, how are we going to gain trust here? Like, that is the skill set in itself. Like, And which one of them do I need to win over first mm. <laughs> is often uh, a really important part of that puzzle. It can get really difficult when they both really need your help. Like, that's one of the <laughs> hardest points. And when you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, you, you, you're at a real, like, kind of fork in the road where if I try to please you too much... I'm going to break trust in the dog, if I, break, if I try to please the dog too much, I'm going to break trust in you. It's it's a balancing act all the time. I still, I'm not going to compromise the dog anymore. Like that's what I've learned over the years. I would rather explain to somebody verbally, I'm not going to do that because it mm. would compromise the dog because I've got that verbal ability to communicate verbally with the client. Yeah that I don't have with the dog. Can't explain to the dog, sorry, mate, I'm just fucking your life up a bit here because old mate really wants me to. Yeah. Um, we don't have that luxury with the dogs. <clears throat> um, and it does mean every now and then, of course, you get some clients that go, well, then that's not the way I want to work. And cool. I'm really sorry. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, that's just the way. I'm not prepared to compromise on that anymore. It's... Um, it's a, I think it's a journey that almost, I don't know a single dog trainer that doesn't have to go through this journey and probably battles with this journey ongoing. Mm. It can be, there's times when it can feel really easy and there's times when it can feel really difficult. I was having this thought the other day around, you know, as the economic climate changes and people inevitably, people's businesses will go quieter.
1: Mm.
0: Over the years, we've been fortunate as a group of trainers in Sydney to client share and things like that, and go look. This is your skill set. This is what you're good at. Like, go and see them. I'm really going to be watching this landscape over the next few months, as to go like, it's going to be hard for people to do that. It's going to be hard to give up a client because that might actually be the difference between them putting food on the table.
1: Well, I'm I am seeing that um, that there are some um, some trainers who are. And we we all have done it in the early stages, you know, keeping Mm. clients that that they're not really um, equipped for. But, you know, what you were saying in terms of navigating uh, that relationship with the caregiver, I think it's, you know, like with the dog, it's meeting them where they're at. Mm. But a lot of the time when, when those, when you come into situations where the relationship's broken down either in in the relationship of of caregivers so if there's a couple or you know family unit and the dog it's having that conversation of okay this is where you're at this is how we're going to build that trust back between you guys and the dog and you guys and how the dog affects you in, in your family space so look asking them all okay how do you feel about it how does how does it affect you and how does it affect you? Okay, now now we need to look at how it's affecting the dog. These are the reasons why you're seeing these particular behaviours. Mm. Now let's peel everything back and see if we can start again as if this is a brand new relationship and that you can start to see your dog in a new light by building that relationship and trust back mm. so that there isn't that every time you go near your dog, you're like, oh, fuck, what am I going to deal with today? Yeah. So having that ability to... Have that navigate that conversation without coming across arrogant or you know what you how you're feeling just doesn't matter we've got a yeah. the most important thing about the is the dog it's the entire team of everybody's feelings matter and how to build that trust and relationship between everyone with with the dog yeah as you know the kind of nucleus of, of the whole family it's like okay well here's the dog. And these are the issues that you're, you're struggling with. It's affecting everybody. Here are the things that we're all going to do to build the relationship and the confidence back in the dog so that when you see your dog, you have that smile again of, oh my God, hey buddy, how are you going, than, well, Oh, God.
0: Yeah, yeah. I had a a really interesting case yesterday. So it's the first time I've met the client and they'd, ha- oh, they'd, ha- they'd been through the meal. Two dogs, one of them, one of them's genuinely great, fine. The other one has always been a bit brittle, suffered with a bit of anxiety over the years. Um, and then a year ago, got full on attacked in the dog park. Mm. In, out in the middle of a field, a uh, big dog ran over from 100 meters away and just went them. And it traumatized this dog, um, but it really traumatized the caregiver. Really, really traumatized her. And they'd had a trainer <laughs> come back in again, um, comes back. come in and essentially talk about how, well, this is her fault, she's not showing enough leadership. Oh no, yeah, uh, but pretty much left at that. Like, that was, was a yeah, come in, you're not showing enough leadership. You, what you need to do is show more leadership. That was a pretty quick, far way for that trainer to break trust because that instantly just didn't install confidence into the caregiver. But it also, because it left the the caregiver with zero tools to be able to build trust with the dog.
1: But also then just blame
0: and guilt. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. It obviously just compounded the issue. so we started talking about, okay, well, what, what's your end goal? Like, what would you like to be doing with your dogs? I actually just want to walk around the local park again. Like,
1: mm.
0: and I was like, okay, well, how far away from doing that are, are, you, are you? And she went, oh, I don't know. Went, okay, let's take, let's just think about it with your, with the dog that is really resilient and can do it. Went, um, okay, but we're not there yet. What about take you out the equation, how, your dog, how would your dog do with that? So my husband actually takes him most days to that. So mm. the dog was there already. Um, the dog can actually go back in the park. But there's a breakdown in trust in their relationship because that dog is far more reactive around her. Mm. Uh, she is like, you know, head on a swivel. Um, and so we talked about the goals and we talked about, okay, well, what are the, here's our end goal. Here's what we're do- what we're doing right now. Let's. What's the next baby step we could make? And we worked it out. And we had to. Again, it's a it's a fine line we play with because we want to ask her to do something that is going to make her uncomfortable. And probably. And in this situation, it was making the dog slightly uncomfortable as well because of the relationship between her and the dog. Mm. But, but we never want to ask them to do anything so uncomfortable that. They don't start to get little wins mm-hmm. and it's going to push them to the point where they think it's too hard. And we managed to walk down the outskirt of the park and let the dog sniff, which previously she'd been holding the dog's attention because, well, that made her feel better. If I've got the dog's attention, then I'm in control. Yeah. So we talked about, okay, if we release control with on leash and we let the dog sniff, how does that feel? Yeah, it's okay okay great how about if we let the dog sniff near this tree near some grass but I can do it okay that's showing one that's all
1: Mm. we're just going
0: to practice letting your dog sniff on grass
1: and that's you know that's a beautiful way of doing it because you know no matter who you are when you've had a traumatic incident or something that has frightened the living shit out of you you can't get back to that automatically some people can they can Mm. they shake it off and they go yep fine but for, you, for most of us, we have to build back that resilience, that recovery, and that takes time. So and as much as you laugh <laughs> and mock me for my cold water swimming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is not going to change.
1: <laughs> and you are welcome to do so. Part of that is to help build resist, re- resilience, mm. right? So each time I go to go for a swim, so uh, it was Tuesday morning, Yesterday was it yesterday? God, days yeah. seem really long. Yeah. Uh Got up, was down at uh, Clovelly at uh, must have been about twenty past six six thirty. It was cold. Mm. It was very cold. Was. <laughs> Getting out of bed is the first wall mm-hmm. that I have to cross, and I go through that. Do I, do I really like? It's really warm here. I don't, you know. And I could have a coffee, and I've got plenty of time before work get up so that's the first wall that's like okay I've, I've conquered that now put my swimmers on now get into the car driving or we, we could just like grab a coffee and watch the sun come up like that's the other option you know i was with my partner we just could grab a coffee it's like no we're here that's another wall and then getting in and everything goes numb staying in the water That's another wall. (laughs) That's another wall. But what you're you're explaining with your client is each time that she does something, that then builds the resilience. Mm -hmm. That then builds her trust. That then builds that feeling of I can do this and I'm okay. And each step she takes, even if it's only, you know, two steps towards that grass, that's then going into that memory bank of I've done this and I'm okay. So the confidence will grow exponentially a lot faster that way because she's conquering it in her own time without that pressure. Yeah. So there is that mild pressure to build resistance. You've got to have some of that because otherwise if you, if you feel that, te- if that pressure or that question of no, I can't do this and you instantly give up, then that's as far as you go. You will never get to here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's such, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I think this gets talked a lot about in terms of self, like driving ourselves. So drive yourself, try harder, try harder, try harder, like dr- try to be your best self.
1: Mm. You've got black on your fingers, don't wipe your face. <laughs>
0: That's m- m- just me playing I with know, the candle there. <laughs> silly. Um, <laughs> silly,
1: Ian. Um, I so shouldn't have said anything and no, that you wiped your face, I'm but you know, just, I have more respect for you. No, you don't. No. <laughs>
0: That was just that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: when we're dealing with, uh, it's, it's when we're driving ourselves on, when we're pushing ourselves to do more, there is an internal voice uh, that is saying to you how much you can do and how much you can't. And yeah, absolutely. Like if you say to yourself, no, nah, I'm not doing it. then and, and you give up really easily. Uh, then, yeah, you won't make much progress. Mm. Um, That being said, if you don't listen to yourself when you are genuinely... Like, say you wake up in the morning and you've got a cold. No, you shouldn't go for a swim. And you know that in yourself. When you're coaching somebody else or you're coaching a dog, Mm. it takes a lot of listening to know how far to push. Yeah. Because if somebody says, oh, I'm not sure... Well, really, look at where that not sure is coming from, mm. um, because it could be coming from a genuine place of panic, and no, you shouldn't fucking push. Yeah, and it could be coming from, oh, I've never done this before, I'm actually just not, not sure. Yeah, and yeah, fucking push, <laughs> right? It's it's a it's every situation is different, and it doesn't mean as well. Like, and this is how we can quickly. The reason bring it back to trust. You can quickly make or break trust. By re- misinterpreting that and misreading it and pushing too hard or not enough when it mm. in some cases.
1: Yeah, actually, well, yeah, a client I had on the weekend and, and her dog, she's an older woman, and her dog, she's got a big dog, got away from her and um, went for another dog, didn't bite another dog, uh, but the owner of the other dog got in the middle and I think the, the dog was snapping mm. um, and the other owner. Uh, got a bite All right. Um, and the other owner obviously very emotional trying to protect their own dog was extremely abusive um, <laughs> to this lovely lady she's petrified to walk the dog mm. now. so when I was talking to her I'm like okay where are you now what What are you doing right now she said I'm walking at 10pm I don't, how do you feel about doing that right now she goes I'm okay doing that right. well, that's where we're going to stick just mm. for now Because the look on her face when she was explaining the situation Mm. was enough for me to say she's not ready to walk outside with that dog in the daytime. Yeah. If I'd said to her, okay, well, now I want you to go out with the dog. In the middle of the day, she lives in a very high, everywhere in, in, in the east is high density with dogs, she lives across the road from like near two parks, yeah. um, and if I said to her, "Okay, I want you to take the dog at, for a walk at eight, 8 a.m. tomorrow," no.
0: Yeah, I and mean, again, it, it's such a not oh, wiping my hand, on my <laughs> think, face on my fingers. There, um, it's such an interesting kind of. There's no straight line with this, but we both know if we let that. Go on too long as well. If we say, okay, you're going to walk your dog at 10 pm, and that, (coughs) and they, we say, that's, we let them do that too long. That can become so reinforcing. Yeah. That then breaking down the barriers to then expand on that and go for an 8 pm walk or whatever it is earlier in the day can become an even bigger hurdle. Mm. We need to allow for recovery time. Yeah but we also need not to know when to go and put the foot on the gas again and go right we do need to build this back up otherwise you're going to wallow in fear mm. for far too long and that will become that will become all encompassing like and that becomes a story oh i had this dog once i could only ever walk him at 10 p.m.
1: yeah but see that's where you know we navigate like where they are and then i then i kind of feel like i put l plates on them
0: mm.
1: so for you know situations yeah, yeah, yeah. like that it's like okay we're both here i've got i've got the wheel i have a you know I, there's a wheel in front of me i have a brake i will hold the lead but i also want you to hold hold the lead mm. so it's kind of transferring them back to having that feeling of safety yeah. trust and security but also that safety net. Yeah. So rather than going, okay, well, here's the dog. I want you to go and do this at, you know, 8 a.m. in the morning. It's like, well, here we are. Here's the dog. Here you are. I'm here as your safety net. Yeah. And then gradually taking, you know, the training wheels off and going, now how do you feel? So similar to what you're doing with your client it's saying, like, well, this is, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to work at your pace. You need to communicate to me how you feel, and I will read your body language because, mm. you know, behavior doesn't lie it's it just shows everywhere yeah and if i see that she starts to completely forget that i'm there you mm. know, i'll take my hands off the wheel
0: yeah yeah and that's it every single case looks different in in the, what we actually practically do but the principles of how do we make progress while building trust and not breaking trust like yeah. that's the goal isn't it like and that's that's where we're constantly just read, trying to breathe the individuals in front of us. i will probably do us on trust. <laughs> I think so. A few tangents there, but I hope you enjoyed them. <laughs> All right, guys. See you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. That's it for this week, guys. If you ever want to ask questions, give feedback, or just provide some suggestions regarding the podcast, find me on Ian Shivers Dog Advocate on Instagram. I'll be happy to help. If you're feeling really generous, leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this podcast on. And if you want to nerd out more with us, then find our sponsors because they're the ones that make all of this possible. See you next week. This episode is sponsored by Canine Caregivers. I've had so many people reach out to me over the years, not knowing where to turn to online for reliable and consistent advice on how to raise a healthy and happy dog. The information out there is hard to navigate. It's hard to know who to trust and who not to trust. And frankly, some of it is just downright dangerous. That's why we created Canine Caregivers, a place where you can come and get educational resources and access a supportive community founded on the care approach for people just like you, whether you've just brought a dog into your life or you've got a dog that is experiencing some unwanted behaviors. The content is updated regularly and we constantly keep in touch with our members to make sure that we are bringing relevant and up-to-date content that truly matters to you. There's different tiers of membership for different needs, so you can be sure that you don't have to break the bank to access the information that can literally make all the difference to the quality of life between you and your dog. Head to caninecaregivers.com.au to learn more.